Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the truck smarter story with my friend Daniel Cow. How's it going, Daniel? Good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. I'm very excited to talk to you about this very important topic. If you are interested in the owner operators, and we all should be because we need them, <laughs> and the small fleets, these Daniels and his company are the guys who can help them do better. So, Dan, please introduce yourself and your company where you're calling from today. Cool. So name is Daniel Cal, co-founder, CEO over here at Truck Smarter. We're based in San Francisco. We have a, a big office in Chicago as well. And like uh, like Joe mentioned, what we do is we effectively built a one-stop shop for truck drivers, mainly owner-operators and small fleets, to effectively help manage and grow their businesses. Yeah. So before we get into the, all the, the main topic, just to kind of understand, what are some of the problems that owner-operators have and small fleets have that the big guys don't? Yeah, you know, what, if you put yourself in the shoes of an owner-operator today, right, and you you kind of go go about their business, you, you start to see that there just hasn't been that much innovation specifically in their space today, right? So you wake up, let's say you don't have a job, you don't have a contract with a specific load provider uh, that you like, so you go about finding your next job, right? That core process itself takes a lot of time. Right. So the, the, we, we've seen quite a bit of digitization in the industry today, which has been fantastic. But as we all know, the industry is still fragmented. Right. So despite a lot of you know, various folks having different digital apps for their specific loads, discovery is still quite challenging because there's 40, 50, 60 of these different apps. And a driver still has to go through each one, one by one by one by one to find their next job, right? So that, that's the core problem that we even approach this business with, which is the first order thing that a driver thinks about when they wake up in the morning when they don't have a job is finding that next job. And today, that problem can take you know up to two hours every single day just in the act of discovery and just finding what that load is. So that's kind of the core problem that, that we've solved, that we built a, a product to solve. But then there's also all these other downstream issues, right? Which is, okay, great, I moved, I, I, I finally moved this load. Well, then you have all these uh, deadhead issues where, you know, the vast, uh, a good chunk of the time that you're on the road, even though you get paid on a per mile basis, is completely empty, right? And you're just burning the fuel to get there. To get paid, it takes 30 to 45 days on average to get that check. And it's a very high cash flow intensive business. You have to pay for fuel to keep moving. And then, you know, guess what, especially in this year, diesel costs have also gone up uh, tremendously, right? So the, the life of an owner operator, the life of a small fleet driver is just riddled with a number of these different areas that desperately need uh, improvement and efficiency. Yeah. And, you know, um, when we think about the owner operators, they, I don't know what the average truck costs, but I think it's somewhere north of $200,000. I'm sure you can get used ones and all that, but yes, they do not buy like the JB Hunts, like the Ruans of the world, who exactly. have been doing it for a long time, who have backing, who have a, a bank account, and, and they're not worried about making that investment. To have a, a $200,000 vehicle and be filling it constantly with very expensive gas, I remember I just read somewhere not so long ago that tr truck stops charge 20% more for food than Walmart. And you go, whoa, 
so everything they're doing is more expensive. And it, so you wake up in the morning, you're still paying for your, your regular life. You're still paying for that truck, but you're not driving it. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and, and these are the people that moved this country, right? These are like, in, we learned these, that. I, we learned that. Yeah, I think that we, we saw this in 2019 where all of a sudden, you know, and I always kind of see the, the, the freight industry as running water, which is when it works, nobody talks about it. When it doesn't work, everybody talks about it. And, and we saw oh, that's that. Why, 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 why? <laughs> exactly. And, and we, we saw that at such a, in such a stark way in, in, uh, you know, during the pandemic. And it just highlights all these different things, which is this country cannot move without these small fleets, these owner operators, these truck drivers. Yet their life on the road, you know, it's, it's challenging. And, and, you know, these folks are entrepreneurs. They're, they're incredibly capable folks, but there's just a lot of these different areas of opportunity for us to continue to innovate with them. Yeah. And, you know, I joke, I joke about this only half joking. They, they also, they put up with a lot of crap. So like if at the end of, on Friday afternoon at four or five, six o'clock, whatever, you know, you're going home. I mean, you go see your friends or your family, whatever you're going to do. Nobody says, sorry, Dan, you were supposed to go home, but um, we aren't ready to unload yeah. you yet. And and the, the not getting unloaded on one job might mean I lost the next job. Exactly. And exactly. I, we, are, we still treat drivers with a lot of disrespect. I remember for a long time, everyone talked about being the shipper of choice. And I know so many places now are spending some time and money to say, what can we do to make it better when that driver gets here. So they get unloaded quickly. We pay them quickly, but we still have a long way to go because I, Dan, you and I, if I drove, I, if I drove all the way from Michigan where I'm at to San Francisco, got to your house, we're going to go to lunch. And you, I called and said, Hey Dan, I'm in front of your house. And you said, Hey Joe, I'm just going to jump in the shower. I'll be out in like yeah. an hour. I'd be like, I'm going to buy eggs. Cause I'm egging your house. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks for all your hard work. I'll, I'll see you in a, I'll see you when I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if I drive like to Northern Michigan, it's like three, three, four hours to get up there. I get out. I'm like sore from sitting in the same chair. You yeah. guys drive all day long. So I want to switch gears for a sec. I want to understand a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And give us some career highlights before you started the Mighty Truck Smarter. And then why did you start Truck Smarter? Absolutely. So I grew up in a small town uh, called Piscataway in New Jersey. It's a town right next to Rutgers University. So whenever that's they play, right, that's you always hear when they watch when, football. You whenever they that. play football, they'll always give us a give us a nod, uh, which is great. Uh, but it's effectively spent my entire childhood there. Decided to stay in the East Coast for university. Uh, went to NYU. Studied uh, at their business school there, and what interestingly enough, wanted to actually go into the whole finance route. Had all the uh, the different offers lined up, all the different uh, you know uh, all the signing bonuses lined up to basically become an investment banker. And then one month before, decided that it just wasn't for me. And I had to had to give everything back. And we were in the middle of uh, starting a, a small company with a bunch of my classmates at that time, and was just so much more taken aback by just the act, the notion of building something and, and really using technology to just make different pieces of, of different people's lives just a little bit better. And, and I think for, for me, that's always kind of been the common thread throughout my career, which has been my, my first job out of college was at Square, where you see all these, uh, you know, small businesses, the, co the companies that actually run this country, these entrepreneurs that are trying to follow their passions, just constantly, constantly, constantly have to 
uh, hurdle, various obstacles just to accept the payment, just to run their business. Yeah, that, by the way, before Square, man, I remember when everyone was using PayPal. Now, Square, wasn't that started by uh, Dorsey? Yep, Jack Dorsey, yeah. So Jack Dorsey, who's the, I guess, one of the founders of Twitter, right? Yes, he was the CEO there too, at the same time. <laughs> when, 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 uh, uh, for squares. Yeah, he had two jobs. He was running two companies, two very large, successful companies. Yes. At the same time, yeah. If you ever, if you ever Google Jack Dorsey, you'll see his morning routine and the way how he does it and all that, and uh, you know how how do you be Superman? But anyway, so after Square, where'd you go? So after Square, you know, when I joined, the company was still fairly small, a couple hundred people. At a certain point, it just got quite large, right? And it became, you know, a much larger corporation. Became corporate. Yeah, (laughs) which to me, you know, I was still very much so on the building side and wanted to continue to stay small, continue to stay lean. And was super fortunate to hear about an opportunity to work at this on-demand food delivery company called DoorDash. This was when DoorDash was uh, only in three cities Very at the nice. time. Very you, you nice. You pick well. <laughs> yeah, de- I've, I've definitely gotten lucky a couple times. This, but this was when DoorDash was still working out of you know the original three-bedroom apartment that Tony was uh, originally living in uh, once upon a time. And the company was only maybe 30 or 40 people when I joined. And, and that, as you can imagine, was just an absolute ride, right? So... When I, when I was at DoorDash, my main uh, mandate was launch DoorDash in new cities. Uh, at the time, DoorDash was in three cities or three major metro areas. We needed to get to 25 by the end of the year. And effectively, what they'd have folks like me do is that we would just go parachute into a, a random metro area. And in the span of four weeks, hire enough drivers, try to get enough merchants on the platform oh and you know, do enough consumer marketing to get the company or get the business in this area launched. And what I effectively always say about that experience is that you basically, basically were launching a business every single four weeks in a different metro area and just constantly learning how to build a business over and over and over again. And learning to sell too. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my, the first, one of the first metro areas that I went to was Houston and it was in the middle of the summer and uh, it's extraordinarily hot in Houston. <laughs> and uh, what we would do is that we'd go door to door to the restaurants and it was definitely quite the experience. Oh. For some time. So I've definitely cut my teeth a number of times uh, helping build that business. It reminds me, I worked for a Silicon Valley company uh, for a while and I was based here in Michigan. It was a forecasting software. And I remember one of my neighbors who did real well for him. So we all lived on a lake, but he lived in like a mansion. In the lake. <laughs> and, and I remember he, he got me to join this company. And I remember talking to guys in Silicon Valley, which is weird. 12 people, four here in Michigan, eight out in Silicon Valley. But the four were also from Michigan who lived out there. So I would say Silicon Valley is filled with Midwesterners and East Coast people like yourself. But um, I remember we were talking about some of the success stories out there. And Google was really taking off. And we were were funded by um, TPG, which is uh, also big behind Google. And, And I remember somebody said, yeah, nobody takes the... Nobody takes the um, options anymore because you just get burned over and over taking options instead of getting paid. And they go, it's expensive to live out here. And I was like, so you mean to tell me there's like people working at like Google who don't have any options and they've been there and they go, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's the norm. And I was like, so when you mentioned like being in a two very successful companies, Square and DoorDash, and you said it's luck. You picked right. That's not luck because there's a lot of companies that no one ever hears of. And somebody says, yeah, but I got I got 
millions of dollars worth of options if that company ever makes yeah, yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, One day. <laughs> Good. But there's nobody who will buy them for a nickel. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, so what was next? What did you, was that Was that the last before you started uh, Truck Smarter? No, so I was at DoorDash, ultimately ended up in Canada, uh, launching the country uh, for, for the business and ended up living in Canada for about two years before having the bug again and wanting to build something. And that was kind of always, uh, it's funny because in my interviews at DoorDash early on, that's effectively what I would tell them. It's, okay, I'm going to just come here for three years. I'm going to learn as much as possible. But I'm always, I always want to start something again. And, and, and this is going to be the path back to get there at one point. So got the bug, moved back to Silicon Valley, started a company called ShareSpace, which was effectively Airbnb, but for self-storage. So instead of going to a, a storage facility, you know, 50 miles away, you go to your neighbor's empty garage. This was when, you know, the rise of car sharing, ride sharing, not many people were actually yep. utilizing cars, especially in dense urban uh, areas. And, you know, how to, how, to, how to go at building another business. Ultimately, the business wasn't venture scalable. It was very much more of a, a more meaningful lifestyle business. So we want the aqua hire route. And one of the companies that was interested in acquiring us was, uh, or uh, we were talking with, was Uber Freight. And, and that's kind of how I got, you know, it was always kind of tangential to the freight and, uh, and logistics industry the, on, you know, the on demand delivery, too. the warehouse space, so with, with shared space. But then that's how it kind of just jumped right in. And, you know, was just extraordinarily excited by a just obviously how big this industry is how important this industry is but then also just how many and how much opportunity there was to just continue to make it better and and that's where i got spent quite a bit of time at uber freight joined when it was still you know relatively small and helped grow that business and then ultimately saw and got the insights to see an opportunity to build truck smarter and and, and left uh, almost two years ago to to, to build it yeah when I look at my, um, I think I've done 350 interviews. When I look at all of my um, interviews, the ones that have done the very best have been with Uber Freight. Uh, yeah, people are fascinated with the company. So when and why did you start uh, Truck Smarter? Yeah, so, you know, at Uber Freight, you know, one of the things that Uber Freight was doing was just help bring a ton of transparency, a ton of digitization into this space, Right. Kind of what we were talking before, which is, you know, a truck driver today or even three, four years ago, when they're just looking for a load, you know, they'd have to call, they'd have to text, they'd have to write emails. It's just such a cumbersome process. And it's been great to see just how many other load service providers have started to digitize and make it a little bit easier for a driver to just access that super valuable information. But when I was at Uber Freight, you know, some of the many conversations that I would have with drivers is that, hey, it's great that, you know, you have Uber has a, an incredible platform for us to book loads, you know, but the industry is big and there's there's, you know, thousands of brokers out there, thousands of other ways to get loads. So I still have to go through this very cumbersome process of going through 40 plus different applications, texting, emailing the people that I know. It still took a very long time. Right. And. What we effectively saw is like how do you bring and build an aggregated version uh, of this, uh, of just the act of finding a load and to make uh, the driver's lives tremendously easy so that they can get loaded, they can get moving with their business. And that, that's kind of how we got the insights to effectively start building Truck Smarter. Right. So you said aggregated. So you mean that you're like oh, multiple load boards go into yours? Yeah, so basically the way that it would work is, you know, we're just bringing in, you know, we're working with a number of different brokers to effectively 
bring all their information into a single into a single place and effectively doing what a driver is doing today. Right. The, the, the driver today is going through each of these disparate sources of information and, and digesting yeah. it one by one. Right. Let's let's just make it a little bit easier for them. Right. It, it takes a really long time to do that. Yeah. And you mentioned they're you know, they're sending emails, they're they're doing all that. But also their job is to drive. That's how they get paid. So yeah. at some point that when they, when, it's one thing for you would have to send an email or me, I'm sitting at my desk or in meetings all day. Right. So, but if I'm, if my job is to drive and that's what I, I'm doing most of the time, that means I have to pull over uh, sending emails on your phone. You can do it. It's not fun. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy. And you know, it also hits me that uh, so many people who are in owner operators and the small fleets are oftentimes immigrants. Um, and I remember when I was still managing freight, calling a, one one night, calling somebody about a load. And he's, he said, he, he said, I don't speak English very well. And I was like, well, that's all right. I don't speak Arabic at all. So he said, do you mind if we just text? And I was like, oh my God, this is, it's it's a real issue. So he, he was very, very dependable. We used him all the time, but he could not speak English well enough and we didn't speak Arabic. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's who's driving a lot of these. You have a lot of lot of immigrants and you're driving all day. And now you're also responsible, not only for getting this load to this location by 4 p.m. today so you can unload, but also finding tomorrow's load. So that cumbersome process might cost me money. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and I think that's what I've always been excited about with just seeing the space continue to adopt technology, right? It, it truly lowers the barrier to entry for many of these uh, individuals who, where English might not be their first language, to run their own businesses, become an entrepreneur, become an owner and operator, because now the industry is becoming more digitized, which is fantastic, right? It adds more drivers into the ecosystem, it, it, and it continues to kind of build this very, very healthy foundation for anybody to effectively become an owner operator. And so that, that, that's what I'm you know, super excited to continue to help build that platform for them to continue to operate their business more efficiently. So let's let's go through an example. So let's just say I'm an owner operator. I have one truck and I, uh, I'm always looking for good shipper freight. And normally when I hear a trucking company or a small company say, we're looking for good shipper freight, what they mean is I don't want some broker to take the big bite out of it. I want the very best price I can get. So how do you help me? So you mentioned it earlier, you're the one-stop shop for the owner-operator. What are you going to do for me? What, what, how can you make my life better? Well, we're just going to, the first thing that we're going to do is help aid in your discovery, right? If for you to look for that next job, you're probably going to have to go through, you know, an arduous multi-hour process of, of, of opening or downloading all these different apps and going through each one of them one by one to find that next opportunity and, and do the price matching that that you're doing right in your head i think it's no secret that you want to move for a higher price than than the average I think i'm greedy that way to, yeah everybody's trying to optimize for it it's not a it's not a secret everybody knows so what we're going to help you do is just help reduce that time that it takes to a you know just find different opportunities within your the lanes that you want to run but then also help you discover different load service providers, whether they're brokers or shippers, and help build that relationship, right? It, it's, it's a tough process. If every single time you're on the road, you need to go find your next job, sometimes it's, it's great to just build a relationship and get a good contract rate or contract lane for a, number, for a period of time, right? And what we want to do, where we see ourselves, is effectively 
helping completely helping aid the discovery of just finding those opportunities and then letting them run the operations for it. That's that's the first way that we're going to help you. Yeah. So I'm assuming when we first start working, you're going to say, Joe, I want to understand a little bit about you. How many trucks do you have? What lanes do you like? That kind of stuff. So I create some sort of profile. Well, for us, it's a, it's a load board, right? So, and our load board is completely free. So what you can do is that you just go online and search and you say, you know, you're in Michigan, you want to go to Portland, you want to find the, uh, the whatever lanes are moving in that direction. And we'll just show you all the different brokers that are, or all the different load service providers that have freight that are moving in that direction. And you'll be able to do the, the mixing and the matching to, to kind of figure out how to get to point B. Excellent. Excellent. So I know you don't just get me these loads. How do I, I want to get paid and I know you guys can help me there too. So uh, let's just say you do connect me with a a good, a good shipper and I move that, move that freight. And uh, now I'm in Portland and I unload and uh, I want to get back to Michigan. Uh, So, but I, I don't need just a load. Now I need money. (laughs) Now you need to pay for the gas, right? That it took to, to, to get to point B and and my kids live the, out in Portland. Life's expensive when I visit. Yeah, <laughs> and that's one of the big problems that we see today is that you know a driver is paying costs today to run their business, but they're not getting paid for the for what they're moving until thirty forty five days out, right? And and that cash flow delta, that working capital, is an extremely expensive problem that drivers need to to effectively solve for to continue operating their business smoothly. So. And this is the second way that we kind of help insert ourselves to help manage a driver's business or help aid their business, right? Which is after they finish moving that load, uh, we have an op- we have a, an option where we could help become their factoring company and effectively help get them paid a lot faster if the broker is approved and they can then access that capital right away through a debit card that we provide for them. So that's that's the other area for us where we can continue to help smoothen out their operating their operations and and help them get access to capital far faster than before to keep their business moving. Yeah, so once I've got your once I have your app downloaded and I've got your debit card in my pocket, there's a lot more I I don't know about everybody else, but I don't like to carry a lot of cards like I, I don't have a wallet. I just have whoop my rubber band, my rubber band broke. That's my wallet, and um, I'm always trying to get rid of cards. So I just have yes. So I, I imagine most people once they start working with you and going, oh, that was pretty easy. I'm going to stick around. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to. I got a good app. I got a. Yeah. I got a good app, and I got a debit card, and I get paid quick. And and that's kind of that's our vision, right? Which is build a, a set of, of features that just help you continue to manage your business. And, and and factoring is a big piece of that, right? Because that's effectively how they get capital. That is how these owner operators continue to maintain their business. And there's a whole set of other things that we're gonna, you know, continue to do to help, you know, help on the fuel side, help on other aspects of the bigger expenses that a driver goes through. Uh, but that's kind of the real crux of it, right? Is how do you just help get your business going, get paid, and, and move forward? Yep. And for people who don't do trucking day to day, I'll give the the layman's term of factoring and I want to get your two cents on it. So as Dan mentioned, I might do a load and I don't get paid for 30 days after, 45 days after, and I need money now. So he, in effect, gives me about factoring. You give me, what, 80, 90% of that money that I'm due that next day? Yeah, usually what we do is that we will potentially fund uh, the entire thing, right? And we'll take our fee. 
uh, in doing that, but effectively give you the 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 bulk of uh, of that payment right away. In, so in effect, you, you bought that. In effect, you bought that invoice off me, and you you charged me a small fee. It's a fantastic yes. way to go. If I, I, I tell you, years ago, I worked at my dad's engineering business, and we weren't a fancy venture capital backed company. I remember we weren't getting paid on time, which is the norm in automotive, and. Um, I was looking through Sports Illustrated and it said, sell your invoices. I was like, oh my God, I want sell your invoices. I didn't even know what it was. And we started factoring money and man, it was factor every once in a while. Now, when you do the math, it's not, it's not what you want to get addicted to, but it keeps you in business. That's the name of the game. And after a while, maybe you don't have to do as much factoring. If you're doing it year in, year out for 10 years, you've done something wrong. But in the short run, very, very necessary in this business. Yeah, and especially in a macro environment like we have today, right, where the yes. operating costs are extraordinarily high. You need to. It's a low margin on, business. These guys are continue in. to stay on the road, and and then obviously the the market has shifted dramatically, right? Demand has completely fallen off a cliff, so there's just fewer loads uh, out there, and it's it's a, it's a cr- extremely tough environment right now. And and, all, and any support is good support. Yep. So you'll get me a load. You'll get me paid. What else will you? And you get me a debit card, so I so I can spend right as soon as you hit me with that money, I can spend it while I'm on the road, fill up my tank, go grab a meal, stay at a motel if I want. So what else? What else you? Got yeah. So you'll have, you'll you'll have a debit card. On that debit card as well, what we do is we actually give you cash back. So you will theoretically be able to save a little bit more money as well. So we have a nominal factoring fee, but if you use our card, you'll be able to get that some of that cash back, right, to help mitigate oh, like that it. fee. So it, that helps you save a little bit more money as well. And one of the new things that we've been uh, launching is actually a fuel program where dry, where we effectively negotiate discounts with a number of high-quality small travel centers across the country and pass a lot of those discounts to you as well so that when you're on the road and you're discovering different areas, you don't always have to pay retail price to act to, to, to fill up your tank. We're, we're using our scale, our negotiation leverage to help get much better discounts for these owner operators and small fleets that don't typically have those resources, right? And don't typically have their own scale to negotiate these these rates or uh, uh, for, for fuel. And that's where we come in and help and help. And, and we built a network to help you also continue to save on gas as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not normally one of those guys who talks about gas prices because I look and say, I don't care if it's an extra five or 10 bucks. It's like, I don't care. I went to Costco yesterday. I love Costco. And I thought, oh, I, I could get gas here. I filled up my tank for $36. I think the last time I filled it up was like 45 or 50. And yeah. I was like, that's crazy because you get a huge discount. And so that I'm, I'm thinking that for some owner operators, the difference between making money and not making money is fuel costs and you know, factoring costs and missed days of work, that's huge. So if you can say, I will keep you busy as many days as you want to work. Yeah. Legally, <laughs> and I, I'll get you a deal on gas and um, get you some cash back. You're my best friend now, Dan. <laughs> that's that's what we're trying to do, right? And, and, and on average, we're saving, you know, drivers that are using our fuel program upwards of $100 every single single time they fill. Right, which is a, an incredible amount. Like the average fill for us is 120 gallons. You know, it's a big truck. They have a lot that they need to to fuel up for, and even a you know, uh, let's say a dollar per gallon saving adds up tremendously. And and that's kind of 
where we just continue to add different areas where we're looking at a, a driver's business, we're looking at all their largest cost items, and we're seeing where can we use our scale, right, to effectively help negotiate a, a better price, a better, a, a better set of discounts for them to tap into without having to be a large, massive carrier themselves. Yep. You know, I was watching Shark Tank and it was probably a year or two ago and maybe it was rerun for all I know. I don't watch it that much. But somebody was talking about an app they had and Mark Cuban said, hold up, how many apps do you use on a regular basis? And the guy said, I don't know. And he said, well, the average American uses seven. And now I think you said it earlier, maybe you said it before we hit record, how many companies are out there saying just download our app that's and download exactly. your app but but if you can't get me good loads and by the way I know there's some very large brokers who say download my app but I've also talked to carriers who say why did I buy my trucks I'm just barely making any money with those guys so it's not just you know just because you have millions of loads that doesn't help me if you're not paying good rates so so do you run into companies saying, hey, I, I hear every every six months somebody tells me to download a new app. Why should I download your app as opposed to, and by the way, I don't have any of those apps. I'm not an owner operator, but my phone keeps telling me, I'm holding up as an Android. I apologize for all you Apple people. My phone's constantly telling me, delete apps, delete apps. I'm yeah. like, I like <laughs> the apps I have. And it like, Oh, you haven't been to that hotel in six months. Delete it. I'm like, no, I want to keep this. So yeah. I kind of think there's a lot of guys saying, I can't download another app. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, and I think that's how we've always seen ourselves, which is, you know, we're fortunate to be able to first target something that is extremely high frequency and extremely high intent, right? The act of booking a load. So we just get a lot of at bats with the with the owner operator to, to give us a try, and that's kind of how we've been able to kind of showcase our value, which is hey, we're completely free load board. Yes, there's a lot of apps today. Hopefully, you'll be able to trust just one more and see the value that we bring to help you find and, and help you in the discovery side, so that you might not need to have to constantly go through all these different applications. Like find it through us. You're you're still going to have to download that specific app to uh, run the load and manage the actual load delivery. But the discovery piece is still extremely cumbersome, right? And, th and that's where we also help a, a, a number of the, the different brokers that are on our platform as well, which is just by helping aiding in their discovery of their app, right? They spent all this time, all these resources to build an app themselves. They have to go through the same convincing process that a, a driver is thinking through. is like, oh, do I really want to download this new app? And what we're what we help them do is show them show the driver the money right away, right? Just show them, hey, if you download this app, this is what you could get, and and that helps uh, their pro their 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 uh, brokers' ambitions or low service providers' ambition to get app adoption for 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 their uh, uh, app as well. Yeah, you got to you got to you basically got to earn that. Maybe another app you guys could create, like a separate app, is like an automatic uninstall. And then it would <laughs> when you download it, it would recognize all the wrong apps that they have on there and automatically delete them for, so they don't have yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah. So this this process, uh, this can I also do it? Like I'm I'm assuming a lot of these guys are using tablets. I can also do it on a PC. This is anywhere I'm anywhere I'm at. It's at there. So it's actually quite interesting. We we don't have a, a desktop version today. Uh, we may in the future. Not not necessary at this point. That's I got to think most drivers are happy with tablets and 
and we are completely mobile first. And, and I think that's kind of what's been able to help grow our business quite tremendously. You know, we have hundreds of thousands of drivers on the platform. We haven't spent a single cent uh, in sales or marketing to, to bring those drivers onto our platform. And I think one of the core reasons for that is we've just been so, so, so focused on, on the experience, on the small fleet and meeting them where they are, which is on their phone, right? The vast majority of folks that are running their own business, they're using their phone as their computer. And we want to make sure that we're investing everything we have and making sure that interface is the best that it can possibly be. Yeah. And not so long ago, I was looking, um, there's a number of um, very successful companies. I think some of the dating apps, Tinder and some of those, they don't have the the laptop version. And I think part, and, and I yeah. think that allows them to focus on, well, first off, I think they're looking and saying it's probably skews younger. But on top of that, I think they're looking and saying we can give our complete energy to making this experience exactly. the right one. And it, you know, as soon as you bring exactly. it, and it, rem- it reminds me of social media. Like my team's always saying, we should be on, we should be on reels, we should be on TikTok. And I'm like, let's just get really good at the places we're at, <laughs> and then worry about that next year. Yeah, because every new surface area means that you have to build a corresponding functionality of everything that you build, right? So. It adds a tremendous time uh, amount of time on the dev side. Yeah, you're thinning out your team, and you're just you. It's it's being um, trying to be everything to everyone, and you end up being nobody to everyone. So, so talk a little bit about you've grown this very successful company. So, talk about uh, what you've learned along the way, uh, growing this company to the size it is right now. I know you you've got some venture venture money, but do you have a partner that you started this with, co-founder? Yes. Yeah. So talk about that journey where you guys started this thing and then growing it to to uh, the scale that you guys are at now. Yeah, so uh, my co-founder, Paulo, him and I, we you know spent some time together before, but then really came to put our heads together to, to build this uh, a little over two years ago at this point. And to, to, to your point that, you know, the journey has been quite, quite especially in the, in the, to, the, 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 the macro environment of which we built it oh, in yeah. has been quite, a, quite interesting, right? It's, you know, we started this in around 2020, uh, at the end, at the beginning of 2021. And that was when you, you know, the, the finding a, a, a truck, it was extraordinarily challenging, right? The shipping costs were super high. All of a sudden, Amazon Prime wasn't delivering in two days anymore, which created a massive uh, pro- problem. And so to be able to kind of see the full cycle of freight and logistics and to build a business during that entire cycle of the massive boom when every when everybody <laughs> everything was flying off the shelf, everybody was buying something online, things needed to constantly get delivered to now where, you know, obviously the interest rates are going up and demand is going is falling off a cliff. And we've 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 traveled the entire span of a, a freight macro <laughs> right. cycle building this company in the last two years. I think that's kind of been the, the fun and exciting but also challenging part as well, which is just how dynamic this industry is, which is what, you know, one of the reasons why I love it. Also why, also how important this industry is and being able to, 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 to flow with the, the different trends and making sure that we're building the right products, right? I think one of the biggest challenges that, you know, any startup or any, any founder constantly sees is typically if you're going after a big industry, there's a lot to build, right? There's a lot of areas to think about and to get distracted with. And there's a lot of nice to haves 
but it's really funneling down into what are the exact specific things that my customer is most interested in doing constantly, even though they might say they want something, what do they actually want, right? And, and building that and staying focused, uh, especially as all the different macro cycles around us are constantly moving. Yep. So as far as like hiring, is your team all in San Francisco? Or you guys got remote? How, how has that worked? And how did it work during COVID? Because you hired all these, a lot of guys during COVID, right? Yeah, I think we were, uh, you know, we, we've always... Uh, appreciated uh, the in-person culture uh, of building. So we, we, we've been, uh, we were largely in-person in SF and we have a largely in-person office in Chicago as well. So the, the majority of our team are, 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 sits on the technical side. And that's something that we've always constantly been laser focused on continuing to build out strong capabilities for. So uh, today the company is about 40 or so people, uh, I would say three fourths of the team uh, sits in SF and uh, on, on the technical side. And then uh, one fourth uh, is in Chicago. And in in the Chicago people, is that just just kind of a nod to uh, the importance of this that freight culture there? Yeah, absolutely, right. That's where that's where a lot of the folks that you know have had blood in this industry for a long time. That's where they that's where they're based, and 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 we we desperately need that expertise and that scar tissue uh, in in building out the DNA of our company as well. So, and I, I spent a lot of time in Chicago. I love the city as well when I was at Uber Freight. So I uh, have known a lot of people there and were was fortunate enough to, to continue building with them. Yeah, I joke about this, but it's, it's, it's very true. I have family on the in Wisconsin, so I've made the trip there a thousand times. And as you, you got to drive right through Chicago, and then I have friends there too. And some days, you, you're, everyone you're around you is in a truck. You're in a traffic jam and everyone else has a truck. It's like, what am I doing wrong here? Why don't I have a truck? Yeah, I think, I think on any given day, like twenty five percent of uh, trucks move through Chicago, it's, and it makes it's a ton an of incredible sense. hub. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, so you 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 decided this is going to be all in person. So mostly mostly out in San Francisco, but also a big chunk here in Chicago in Chicago land. And so you you said you don't you haven't done any sales and marketing to get all these guys. So how do you get these people if you're not doing sales? By the way, I'm just imagining all the people listening are doing sales going, what? How are they doing this without sales and marketing? Is it just word of mouth? How, how are you making this happen? A lot of it is word of mouth, right? It's, and I think it's when we started this business, we talked to dozens, if not hundreds of owner operators. And the, the key problem that they kept coming back to was this is that discovery is painful. Like there, there, there's, you know, the industry is digitizing, but it's still very fragmented. And if there was a way that we could actually do this in a very simple uh, platform, that'd be great, right? And, and that's kind of what really started uh, us thinking is that we, we have all these customers that were just waiting and begging to, to be a part of a platform like this and to use a platform like this. And so we've been very fortunate with just how easy it's been for us to, continue to grow our base and for folks that, you know, we're very fortunate for our customers to continue to tell their friends uh, about our, our business as well. So yeah, we've been, we've been very lucky uh, with the word of mouth. And, you know, if you put truck smarter in YouTube, you'll, you'll see a lot of different things that a lot of drivers just uh, make, uh, which I, I always love to, to tune in on. And, you know, we just want to continue earning their trust and continue building out the right things for them to, to continue running their business. Well, that's fantastic. And I, I do know this, we constantly talk about to, you know, Amazon showed us what 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 a delivery experience can be, and we started realizing we all want that. But I think we also recognize now, even in bad times like now, truck truckers are good trucking companies. Good truck truckers themselves are 
the lifeblood of this business. So I think we need to make their customer experience better. And it sounds as if that's kind of in your mission is how do we, how do we make that experience of getting in the next load as painless as possible? Let me ask another question. And this is just kind of my first thought. So if I, again, I'll put myself in the owner operator shoes. So I go on your platform and I say, oh, this, this, this lane is uh, $2,800. I wonder if that's the most I can get. What I don't want to do is leave to go to another app or I, I want to know that $2,800 is kind of the going rate for that lane. What I don't want to, I don't want to drive it and then find out everyone else is getting $3,200 for it. So how do I mean, because I kind of think that's the key to getting me, get me to stop swiping. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's the problem that we're helping solve, right? It's making it easier to make that determination on your own, which is, a, 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 an owner operator is going through all these apps today, right? They are spending the two, three hours in between their jobs, waiting at the dock, waiting at the travel center, potentially even while they're driving, trying to figure this exact problem out and, and going through each app one by one to determine if 2800 is the best price that they can get. And, and that's kind of where we see ourselves is that, you know, all this information drivers are going and, and finding themselves anyways. Let's just make that easier. Let, let, let's just help the discovery process a little bit, uh, a, a little bit more, so that they can just get moving, right? And do all the number of different things that they need to do in, in their day to day. Yeah, and if I could kind of bring it back to like kind of the dating app, you want it, we want the dating app where you say the first one, that's my that's my dream date right there, swipe. Yeah, <laughs> right? and that's that's what we want for the drivers because again, we're trying to we're trying to keep them doing what they do best and how they get paid, which is moving freight, and not. They don't get paid to sit and look for loads. I mean, it's a, that's the necessary evil part of their job. So I want to wrap this bad boy up because I've gone past my time with you. So I want to ask you, answer in any order you want. What's next for you, Daniel Cow? What's next for Truck Smarter? And then what's next for this industry? And when I say the industry, I really mean the, the owner-operator space and uh, what we've been talking about today. Yeah, so... You know, in 23, the, and, and I'm sure many listeners would all, all know as well that the, the freight industry is going to be going through some turbulent times, oh, right? Yeah. It's uh, the, the, the demand is falling off a cliff. There's a lot of supply still in the market. Rates are going to go down. There's a lot of uncertainty with diesel out there, which is going to make the operating costs even tighter for an owner operator to manage. So what we, our vision and what we want to do and what's next for us is to continue help our customers navigate those times as much as possible, right? In a, in a cohesive experience, in a singular experience without having to go through all the different, you know, a number of different businesses to effectively get the same job done. And, and that's kind of the ethos of our business, right? Is how do we make it so that we can effectively become this one-stop shop for a driver to find their next job, get paid for that job, access the capital a little bit faster, but then also then uh, use that capital much more efficiently and, and, and leverage discounts that we can negotiate with our collective bargaining power. That's what we're going to continue to push forward. And as we look at 23, that's going to be more important, in my opinion, more important than ever to continue doing because it's going to be extremely turbulent. But despite it being extremely turbulent, we're still going to need drivers. We're still going to need owner operators and we're still going to need these small fleets to keep this country moving. And it's going to be more important than ever to continue building uh, software for them to make that job a little bit easier. Excellent. Excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and I'll put a link to Truck Smarter and any other links that your marketing folks give me. I'll put those in the show notes. And um, so wait, one more time, who's your sweet spot? Who do you work with best? Yeah, I think for us, it's, you know, any, any, any 
truck driver or owner that is looking for a, their next job, right? So you could be a leased owner operator of a thousand trucking truck fleet. You can be an individual owner operator with just yourself and your truck. If you need to look, for, if you're spending two to three hours or going through 10 plus different apps to find your next job, give us a try. Let us, and, and, and our, our loader board is completely free for you to uh, find that next opportunity. And our hope is that by being that first place for you to find your next job, you'll give us a try on a number of the different financial services software that we've built out, whether it's the factoring side, whether, the, whether it's the fuel side, whether it's a number of things that we're going to continue to build to ideally make your, your life a little bit easier. I love it. I, 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 the more I think about it, the more I think it's really smart that you are really keep focused on the, on the, the apps as opposed to the online. And, and I, cause I just keep thinking of all the apps I use, the ones that you want to use the most are the ones that get the job done really quickly, efficiently, but also have the look and feel and the intuitiveness that we've gotten so used to in our consumer exactly. tech. You know, there's, I, I use the term a lot on my podcast is, consumer grade tech and you worked at Square and, and Uber. Those are companies that kind of pioneered that. For a long time when I worked, you would have clunky crap software at work and then come home and go, look what Facebook's done. Look what Amazon's done. Look what Square's done. And that's absolutely what we need. And um, you know, if I'm a driver, I don't want that hassle. I want this to get done quick. And as a driver, you're a consumer. Right, and you're going through. Right. Yeah, you're Instagram, using eBay. Facebook. You're, you're going through all the different super well-designed applications, and that's exactly why we've been super ledger focused on mobile and hiring people that have come from that pedigree to help replicate that experience and replicate that look and feel, so that you know when you're going through your personal life, it's a you don't have to go through an incredible grade of design and then switch off to a, a much clunkier. Uh, a software to run your business, it should all be the same. And that's kind of how we think, uh, think about that's it. That's excellent. That's excellent. So, Daniel, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So, who should I interview on my podcast? A, a smart young man or woman like yourself, who should I interview? I, I think there's a lot of folks that are, are building not in from, this Not space. from your company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I'd say that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of incredible talent. And, and I'll, I'll give a nod to, to my old company, Uber Freight, where there's a lot of folks that have let, you know, that have gotten that exposure and taste of the industry and have seen the problems that the industry is facing and building products in this space, you know, uh, that are, that are, that are innovating quite a bit. So there's a lot of folks there happy to give specific names, but I know that there's a, a ton of folks. That well, are, well know, give me that specific so name hard. and I'll reach out to them. I'm probably already connected to them. Yeah, maybe. You know, one of, uh, one of the, my, the colleagues that I've worked with before, Matt McKinney, is uh, building a company called Loop, which is effectively helping freight audit and pay and, and making that oh, I love that far, far, far easier. And what I love about the space is that, you know, these are freight itself as well. It's not consumer. It's not the sexiest place to be, but it's probably one of the most impactful things that you could probably do. To, to get to keep this country and keep this economy moving and 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 he's one of the the fearless entrepreneurs that are tackling this uh this space yeah i say this all the time on my podcast is dan if it was 10 15 years ago you wouldn't be in the space and if somebody said to you 10 or 15 years ago yeah dan i think uh trucking is the space for you you'd be like huh. <laughs> no i'm gonna go i'm going to wall street i'm gonna be in finance there's no way yeah we I think the gap has been recognized and great talent is flooding in. And I think, you know, we have the kind of the granddaddies of the freight tech. We all know them. Uber Freight's one of them for sure. 
and um they're they're throwing off like a flywheel all sorts of uh well trained well trained experienced people who are starting great companies like like you and I will talk to Matt McKinney yeah I'll let him know <laughs> well I, I I hope he I hope he will talk to me but um yeah. Dan thank you so much and congratulations on your success appreciate it Joe thanks for having me yeah, my pleasure. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn. <laughs>